Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part 151 in the series Contending for the Faith. This is the morning service of Sunday the 1st of May 2016, entitled The Genesis Account Part 28, and the Bible reading is taken from Genesis chapter 6 verses 1 to 7. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I'd like to be opening your Bibles this morning to the book of Genesis chapter 6. Just before we read our portion of Scripture from Genesis chapter 6, I want to read another portion of Scripture to you, which we've been looking at these past few weeks. Part of it is on the overhead, but I want to read from 2 Peter chapter 1, just verses 3 and 4, and then we'll pick up in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 1. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 says, According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. If we had no other promise of God, what a phenomenal promise that is. In Genesis chapter 6, I'd like for us to pick up there in reading just the first seven verses of this great passage. I invite you to stand with me to honor the reading of God's precious and holy word that we'll be looking at in just a moment. Genesis chapter 6, verse 1 says... And it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be and hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also that when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that they, that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man when I have created from the face of the earth both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made him. Verse 8 says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Father, thank you again for our time together. Thank you for your word that we have before us. Thank you for your spirit that lives within us. And Father, we pray now that this time, Lord, will be a time that you would take and want thy servant, open and speak to hearts, draw men into yourself for your glory and your honor alone. In Christ's name we pray, amen. And amen. We are continuing this morning, for those that may not have been here, we are continuing in our total series of Contending for the Faith, the Fundamentals of that Faith. We've been looking, this is our 28th part of the Genesis account as we look at the Genesis account and how foundational that it is to God's Word and to God's work. Today is the fourth sermon in our series on the assurance of God's promises. We've read this great promise that we have out of 2 Peter. Now, again, for those that haven't been here as we have talked about this matter of promises, who can tell them what this is? Does anybody remember what it is? A promise? Yes. What's what's, what's it called? Come on now. The most life-changing thing in the world and you don't remember what it's called? 
It's a small bar. A small bar. Came up with that name because that literally means that it is a super miraculous oscillation emitting bar. And this changes lives like nothing else in all of the world. I mean that. We talked the first week about how it will change you physically. I don't care what it is, whether it's your hair falling out or whether it's something that you've become very, very ill with, whatever, whatever is in your physical body, if you will screw this thing up in your house and just leave it there, don't do anything else, it will take away all of those problems. You'll never have high blood pressure again. You'll never have diabetes again. All the cancer will be gone. Whatever it is, is super miraculous. But then we said last week, not only does it take care of all of your physical needs, it takes care of all of your spiritual needs. I mean, literally, it will do everything for you that you need in your spiritual life. You'll never be able to pray. Well, you will, will, you will never have prayed like you will be able to pray once you hang this up in your house. You're going to be so close to God. You're going to feel like God's nearness is so much that you can just reach out and touch him. And he's right there. Smobar. And we said that you can have one of these incredible, life-changing things. You'll never, ever have this opportunity again by just sending us $99.95 a month for the next six months. Six simple payments, and it's yours, and your life has changed. I promise you. <laughs> and I also promise that if you get it and it doesn't work, we'll gladly take it back. I'm not saying what we'll do with your money that you sent us, but we'll gladly take the snow bar back from you. Now, you see, preacher, why is that? Because I said last week, that is no more incredible than some of the promises that men make us every day for our physical lives, for our spiritual lives. But now, I want you to keep that promise in mind in relation to the other one that I read you. That's a promise of man. And if any of you want to take me up on it, just see me after the service. It will take care of it for you. We'll make sure that you have one of these. They're very limited, though, so don't waste your time. <laughs> Tibby almost went for it last week. But, <laughs> but you have another promise. That one is from man. And it is absolutely unbelievable, isn't it? Well, that other one we said, now God said that according to his divine power. So this has nothing to do with man. This has everything to do with who God is that holds the power of the universe. According to his divine power, he says, he has given unto us all things that pertain unto life. Well, isn't that what he's promising you? <laughs> that it'll every need in your life, whatever physical needs you might have, you'll never have a problem again. It will meet those needs and godliness and your spiritual life. Man's promised to meet those needs through the smobar. God promised to meet them through his divine power. He says, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. Now, this guy says he knows what's going to work in your life, but God says through the very knowledge of the one that created you, that called you to life, to put you here, that made everything that is exist. According to that man's knowledge, me that invented the smoke bar, or to God's knowledge. You see, that's what the promise is based on, whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises. Well, <laughs> there's some pretty good promises coming along with that smoke bar made by men. But we've got all these promises of God that are made by God. And he says that by his promises, not only has he given us everything that pertains to life and godliness, he makes it very specific when he says that by these, by these promises, you might be partakers of the divine nature. It is divine. It is God that is making the promise that he says that by these promises, you, you can be partakers. You can receive, rather than your physical, fleshly, carnal nature, partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world 
through lust. You see that old nature is controlled by the world, controlled by the flesh, controlled by your lust. And lust, lust when it's conceived, will, it will lead to sin every, every time. We have said from the beginning, why is it that that promise is so hard to believe? Who's making the promise? What power does that individual have to be able to perform what they're promising to you? And what is his track record in keeping those promises before? Well, I'm saying to you unashamedly, I believe that the foundations for every promise that we said, there's hundreds, thousands of them through the scriptures. Man can't even come up with the same number because there's so many of them. But the foundation is laid for them in the book of Genesis. We've looked already at the promises that were made in the Garden of Eden to Adam and Eve. Yeah, he even made some promises to Satan there as well. We looked at promises that he made to their son Cain after they had been dispersed from the garden. We've looked at a number of illustrations of things, but I want to turn your attention today to the promises that he makes here beginning in Genesis chapter 6 to this man called Noah. Now, for those that have been here, and if you're here week after week, God's Word is built line upon line, precept upon precept. We looked at this passage in Genesis chapter 6 that we read some time back when we were looking at the affirmation of God's judgments. Hopefully, most of them will be fresh in your mind. And of course, you know, there's probably not a more familiar story in all of the Bible than Noah's Ark. Even people that have never been to church, they know about Noah's Ark and all the animals that were there. We find here in these verses that we have read that there's some things that begin to happen on the earth. And of course, we just got through in the chapter before and end of chapter 5 there, God's showing how that he's going to keep his promise that he made in the garden through Seth, the other offspring that he gave to Adam and Eve to replace Abel that had been murdered. We see the descendants of Seth then leading right down to Noah. And we pick up here with this man called Noah, and it said that it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto men. As Noah was here upon this earth, those that had descended from the Garden of Eden, he said that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. Now, I want you to keep this in mind. We've mentioned it. We'll come back to it and some other things over the next weeks. But what happened? God's people, the sons of God, saw the daughters of men, the ladies of the world, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. God's people began to marry the world's people. In our terminology today, it would be Christians began to marry non-believers. So many times we think that we can handle these things. Well, I want you to see God's Word gives us warning. You see, you can do just about anything you want to do. And in the end, you probably will do what you want to do. And that's the problem a lot of times. In our hearts, we're wanting what we want instead of what God wants. Come back here. So we find that all these people were multiplying. But those that followed God were starting to marry those that didn't. And he goes on to explain there were giants in the earth in those days. They came, here's the sons of God, came to the daughters of men. That same thing again. They bear children. They begin to have children. That began to multiply. There were those that were becoming powerful in this world's eyes. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great. And that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil. The people of God had become so entangled with the people of the world that it was the people of the world that began to have the influence in God's people. All of their thoughts, all of their imaginations became worldly. We always think we're strong enough to handle it. And one of the big things that we have to be concerned with is how 
Can we come out from amongst them and be separate? How can we be separated unto the Lord? And at the same time, we've got to win them to the Lord. We've got to reach them for the Lord. We've got to meet them where they are. And we'll discuss some of those things. But what's happening here is <coughs> we need to realize that one of the most important things that we ever do in this life is when we choose a life's partner. The person we've got no longer going to be two separate, but to be one with. It's the only relationship in the world that God uses to compare to our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We're no longer ourselves. We are his. We're bought with a price. We belong to him. We become one with him. God sees us in Christ, not in ourselves. And this relationship upon this earth. And we find that when man began to mix with the world and he began to make those kind of commitments with the world that it was a very downhill slope and it became evil and all of his thoughts and imaginations became evil. Verse 6 says, And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. God's creation in the Garden of Eden. And, of course, you know, we're not quite, but... Some few thousand years on from the Garden of Eden here at this point, and we find that God is actually heartbroken that He even created man in the first place because man has become so evil. And so, there we find that when this happens, God makes a promise. Now, first of all, he says in verse 3, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be in 120 years. By God's grace, by God's mercy, he had become so evil, and yet God says, By my mercy, my spirit won't always be there, but for 120 years more from now, I'm going to give man a chance. He's got 120 years until I put an end to this. We find that God is using or going to use his spokesman, Noah, to bring the truth. We've read those passages. God's promises are passed on by us from his word to others. God is going to use Noah in this case. Remember, at this time, they didn't yet have the written word that you and I have. So he's using Noah. Notice what did he say in verse 7? And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made him. God promises he really promises three things there. One, his spirit won't always be there for man. He promises that man has a certain amount of time. In this case, it was 120 years. He promises that then he is going to destroy man from the face of the earth. Matter of fact, he's going to destroy all living creatures that live upon dry land. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. <laughs> Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You see, God gives us a great contrast here. He goes on and he tells us in verse 9, he says, These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect man in his generation, and Noah walked with God. Now, man has become so evil, so intermingled with the world that all his thoughts and imaginations are evil. Man has begun to walk more and more with the world until the world has taken him over. But Noah's different. Instead of walking with the world, he is walking with God. He is a man that is righteous, that is upright, that is sincere towards God. And God said unto Noah, I'm sorry, and Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth was also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth and beheld it was corrupt, 
for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. While the world, while men began to walk more and more with the world and in the world, Noah walked with God. Noah had three sons. We find that the Bible goes on and God makes us another promise in verse 13. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through him. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Now God is speaking specifically to Noah. He repeats his promise of destruction. The end of all flesh upon the face of the earth. But notice... He's talking to Noah. Noah, this is what I'm going to do to the world. But Noah, you're walking with me. I've got something else in mind for you, Noah. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. Noah, you're going to build me a big boat. <laughs> And then you're going to put pitch on it. You're going to seal that thing inside and, and, and outside. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above. And the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof with lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. Noah, you're going to build me an ark. But here's the blueprints. I'm going to show you. I know you've never built an ark before. But Noah, I'm going to give you the blueprints. I'm going to show you exactly how you need to build this thing. You may not have ever built anything in your life before. You may have to let Mrs. Noah change the light bulb in the house. You know what I mean? Noah, I know this is not your area of expertise. But Noah, I'm going to give you the instructions exactly what you need to do. Noah you got to trust me. And if you will, Noah, guess what? He says, behold, I, even I, God, the power of the universe, I do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee, with you, Noah, that's what's going to happen everybody else. But with thee will I establish my covenant, my promise. I have something else for you, Noah. Thou shalt come into the ark that I'm going to show you how to build. Thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. And of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort shall thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female of fowls after their kind, of cattle after their kind, of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind. Two of every sort shalt thou and shall, shall come unto thee to keep them alive. Take thou unto thee of all food that is eaten. Thou shalt gather it to thee, and it shall be for food for thee and for them. We find that, Noah, I'm going to promise you something. <laughs> No, I've got something different in mind for you. Now, I'm going to bring a flood of water that's going to destroy everything that breathes. Noah, everything, everything will die. But I'm going to make a special promise for you, Noah. I'm going to establish my promise with you. You and your family will be protected will be preserved. And through you, I'm even going to preserve the animal kingdom, the beast and the fowls and everything that lives upon the earth. I'm going to preserve them through you, Noah, in the ark. What a promise. Noah's response, thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Now, have you ever heard the saying when, when something was so old? I mean, it was so ancient. It might be, you know, your old computer or technology. You say, man, that thing must have came over on the ark. That just means it's really old. 
Well, I want you to, I want you to play along with me for just, just a minute here. I want you to just pretend for a minute because you see, you can probably look at me and you can probably think that, yeah, he looks old enough to have come over on the ark. <laughs> so I'm Noah, folks. It's nice to meet you. My name is Noah, and I want to tell you about something. You see, back in my day, back in the old days, we can all talk about the old days. Back in the old days, I, I was just getting along fine, doing my, my normal day-to-day -day thing, and all of a sudden, God came to me. Now, I'm going to tell you something. This earth was a bad place to live in those days. Okay? I get the message. It was evil. You would not believe. I mean, you think you look around today and you think that it's an evil world? You honestly think that things have gotten that bad? Look, keep in mind, I'm talking about a world that had gotten so evil that literally you feel like you're alone sometimes. There was nobody else, not one other family we look around today. We can thank God for all the families that are here. Noah says, I really was the only man with my family on the face of this whole earth that was walking with God. Nobody else. I mean, evil had gotten so bad that they only had evil thoughts. That's all they could do was think evil. In the midst of all this, God comes along and he says, Noah, <laughs> I want you to build me an ark. I want you to build this big boat. Now, folks, you got to keep in mind, I really thought I was probably hearing things to start with. <laughs> Number one, I'm no builder. <laughs> to build an ark that would actually float, but of course, to float where? I mean, I'm like out in the middle of nowhere. There's... There's no oceans. There's no water around me. Yet he wants me to build this gigantic boat, three stories high. I mean, the size of this thing is phenomenal. That thing's supposed to float. God says, Noah, I want you to build that for me. And here's the blueprints. He said, I'll, I'll show you how to do it, everything. You'll know exactly how to do it. This is how long to do it. This is where to put your floors in, all these things. You should have heard my wife when I come home and told her, <laughs> Mrs. Noah. She says, do what, Noah? <laughs> I always thought there was something rattling around up there. You can't, you can't even fix that squeaky door. How are you going to build an ark that's going to float on some water that doesn't even exist? But he gets through to his wife and obviously his family. and They begin to build this ark and literally, 120 years. God said, I've given you 120 years until this is it. My spirit won't be with man anymore after that. 120 years. So, you know, you can imagine 100 years on, and he's still out there hammering away on this ark trying to build it. He's been at this for 100 years. It's finally taking some shape. But man, you think sometimes that people think that you've got funny ideas? Everybody, every, I mean, man, if, if they had had insane asylums in those days, they would have put me there, but thank God they didn't have them. Everybody thought I was crazy. There was absolutely no doubt whatsoever in their mind. But God had made me a promise. God had given me instructions. I kept doing it God's way, even though there was nobody else. I mean, you know, my boys and I, we'd, we'd be out there, we'd be working away on this ark, building it just according to God's plans, and the neighbors had happened by. <laughs> you never heard such heckling and laughter in your life. <laughs> I mean, there was not a human being on the face of the earth that thought we had any sense. Nobody. You think you're alone sometimes? Let me tell you. Hey, Noah, what you building there? <laughs> That, that boat out here in, in, in the middle of, this is almost a desert, Noah. What are you doing? <laughs> it's a funny place to build a boat, and that's an awfully big boat you're building. 
And that thing's supposed to float. And I mean, Noah, you're crazy. See, Noah's preaching to them. He's telling them what God has said. He's giving them God's warning. You've got so much time to turn away from the world, to turn to God. <laughs> I'd have to totally be out of my head to believe that, Noah. Noah works on. You wouldn't believe it when we finally started loading the animals on this thing. <laughs> I mean, two of everything. Can you imagine? We brought them and we brought them and we brought them and we brought them. And they just kept, God kept sending them and we kept putting them on the boat and we had them everywhere. Finally, when we went in and God closed the door and boy, you should have heard the hecklers then. Hey, 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 Noah. I bet it smells nice in there, doesn't it, with all those animals? <laughs> hey, Noah, inside of this boat out here in the middle of nowhere, what's, what's wrong with you, Noah? You have just absolutely gone over the edge. And maybe I hear a, that a crackle of thunder in the background. <laughs> These clouds, you, you got to remember something, folks. At this time, there was a firmament above as well as below. It was like a canopy over the earth. That's, 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 that's why I haven't aged much. That's why I look so young. <laughs> Things didn't age like they did before the flood. Things didn't age like they did after because, you know, it kept out all those bad sun rays and everything else. It was such a perfect environment. But all of a sudden, man, that, that firmament starts going dark. And suddenly the sky starts falling. I mean, nobody has ever seen anything like this before. Water falling out of the sky? What is this? The earth had always been watered from below before that. All those hecklers, they started getting a wee bit nervous then. They started wondering what in the world is taking place. But you see, the problem was their 120 years was up. God's spirit was no longer striving. Preacher, what are you trying to say? I'm saying, listen, folks. Everybody might think they know the story of Noah and the ark and those animals. We see it in books. We see it in cartoons. We see it in all kinds of things. We don't even begin to realize most of the time what it was like for Noah be the only one, the only family left. Everybody else, everybody had turned away from God. Why? What would make him carry on and do what he did? We need to grasp all he had was the promise of God. God promised him, Noah, I am going to destroy this earth. Noah, I am going to preserve you and protect you and your family and these animals. If you will do what I say, you'll be preserved. And they'll all be gone. Can you imagine? You know, sometimes we think it's hard to stand on the promises of God. People like me get named as some kind of a an old-fashioned Bible-bashing preacher because I'm not into all the New Age stuff and the things that have come along that have made it all so modern. We're just old-fashioned. That's just the way it used to be. Folks, I realize you probably don't even grasp and understand how much in my heart I want to be able to reach every human being. We're going to be tempted a lot of times to go the way of the world to do it the world's way, whether it's in the way we have our services or the music that we sing or the various things that we do, we're going to be tempted. But we've got, just like Noah, to stand upon. God's word hasn't changed. I want to be able to effectively reach people, but we can't change the message I said that in the very near future, we're going to be looking at two other fundamentals following the Genesis account, and that is heaven and hell. We find that I just want you to understand that Noah had nothing nor anybody else except God and God's word to stand upon. Nothing else. 
Now I want you to jump forward that 120 years. Actually, here in chapter 7, it actually must be about 119 years and 51 weeks later. Because in chapter 7, he has one week left before the water comes. And God says here, notice, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Folks, without that righteousness, no man, no man can stand before God. Noah was the only one. And may I say to you, there's coming a day when only the righteous will be able to stand before God and there's only one way that you can be found righteous in his eyes. Of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens, the male and the female, and of the beasts that are not clean by two, the male and his female, the fowls also of the air by sevens, the male and the female, to keep seed alive upon the face of all the earth. Noah, it's time. <laughs> it's time for you and your family. I know you've spent... 120 years building this thing. Isn't it beautiful? <laughs> now, it's time for you to go inside and let me close the door behind you. Noah, it's time to get moving. Now is the time. We see that verse 4 says, For yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights, and every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. In seven days, Noah, I'm going to make water fall from the sky. Now, I've already showed you how. Wow. What kind of faith did that take to believe God? I mean, you think that that's impossible to believe? Well, if it were man making that promise, it would be just as impossible to believe. But God's the one that says, Noah, in seven days... I'm going to make the rains begin to fall, and it's not going to stop for 40 days and 40 nights. And I'm going to destroy everything that I've made up on the face of the earth. What was Noah's response? What a step of faith. And Noah, verse 5, did according unto all that the Lord commanded him. And Noah was 600 Years old. You didn't know I was that old, did you? That was a couple thousand years ago. When the floods of the water, 4,000 years ago, the floods of the water was upon the earth. And Noah went in and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him unto the ark because of the waters of the flood of clean beasts and of beasts that are not clean and of fowls and of everything that creepeth upon the earth. There went in two and two unto Noah into the ark, the male and the female, as God had commanded Noah. God's promise, Noah's response. How does Noah respond? Folks, he responded in faith. <laughs> he just believed God. Can we grasp that? It was because God said it. It doesn't matter whether your mind will grasp it or not. It's not man that's making these promises. It's God the creator of the universe that is making these promises. Noah responded in faith because it was God that made the promise to him. God's promises are fulfilled. And you can read about it. You can pick up and it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were upon the earth. And you can read on down and exactly what God said would happen did happen. God's promises Fulfilled completely. God promised that his spirit would not always strive with man, but that he would give man 120 years to respond. God did. God promised destruction and death to every breathing creature that lived on dry ground. He did it. God promised that it would be done by a flood of water after 40 days and 40 nights, even though it seemed totally ridiculous. He did it. God promised Noah 
that if he would do according to what he asked, regardless of what man thought, whether anybody else believed it or not, he promised him that if he would respond by faith to his word, to his promises, he would preserve him, his family, the animals that he brought into the ark that God had instructed him to build. Guess what? Read the verses. I don't have time to read them all this morning. He did it. The flood came. The waters rose. They lived and survived on that ark until the waters receded. They once again came out onto dry land. The only living creatures on dry land at that time. There were still some fish in the sea. The only living creatures on land were those that came out of the ark. That was it. You see, we pick up in, in, in chapter 8. We have a, a description of the fulfilling of God's promises. The floods subside and God speaks and once again sends man forth onto dry land. What was it he'd ask him to do? To multiply, to replenish, to create life on this earth as he meant it to be. We find that we find as Noah comes off of the ark, and he did exactly as God had told him. Notice what his first action is in verse 20. And Noah builded an altar unto the Lord. <laughs> I mean, he's been in there, and God's brought up the very first thing that he wants to do when he gets off, before he builds himself a house, <laughs> before he worries about building anything for himself, he built an altar unto the Lord and took every clean beast and every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings to the altar. He begins to thank God for what he has done. God promises him something else. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. Verse 21 of chapter 8. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more everything living as I have done. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. God's promise to Noah, he's not going to spite all the living Creatures in such a way again. He's not going to send another worldwide flood. He says the days and the seasons, the sowing, the reaping, the days and night is going to continue as long as the earth remaineth. Chapter 9 records God's instructions to Noah just as in the garden. Multiply, replenish the earth, declaring his dominion over the other living creatures because man alone was made in the image of God you're reminded of the uniqueness in these verses of man and the importance of every human being and the danger of taking anyone's life, taking another's life. God promises. Then notice as you pick up down in verse 8 of chapter 9, and God spake unto Noah, to his sons, and him saying, we find God making promises again. With every living creature that is with you, of the fowl of the cattle, of every beast of the earth with you, from all that go out of the ark to every beast of the earth, and I will establish my covenant with you. Neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood, neither shall there any more be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations, on and on and on and on, right down to us today. I do set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. And I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. And the bow shall be in the cloud, and I will look upon it that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, this is the token of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh 
that is upon the earth. God's promise to Noah, to his seed, perpetually through every generation, that rainbow that we see in the sky, we think it's all so beautiful, and we naturally want to start grabbing the camera and taking photos because it's so beautiful. Well, let me tell you, it's even more beautiful when you're a child of God because it's not just beautiful colors in the sky, but it's reminding us of the God that created us, the God that preserved us, the God that has made promises to you and I that he's there for us. He's there for us just like he was for Noah. See, those promises, we see them fulfilled about 4,000 years later, and we still... Last time I checked, we still have days and seasons. Sometimes we get all the seasons in one day here in England, but we still have seed time and harvest. We sow the seeds and we reap the harvest. The rainbow can still be seen as a reminder of God's promise never to destroy the world with a worldwide flood again. You see, the foundation continues to be laid in Genesis for the assurance of God's promises. As we travel from creation through the first couple of thousand years of man's existence, every promise of God fulfilled perfectly as he said it would be. God's promises are never based on man in any way, shape, or form. They're based upon him, his word. We always see God working in mercy and grace but never contrary to his word. The result for man is determined by whether we believe him or whether we don't. God's word doesn't change. His promises don't change. But people change. Do we respond to God's word, to God's promises in faith or in unbelief? I made the statement before that God... Some people say, God said it, I believe it, and that's it. God said it, I believe it, that's it. i got news for you. God said it, and that's it. You better believe it. <laughs> Whether you believe it or not doesn't change that God said it, and that's it. But it makes a big difference in your outcome whether you believe it or not. Our time is gone, and boy, I had so much more I wanted to share with you today. You know, that's the thing with God's Word. You might get tired of hearing me, but boy, I don't think I ever get tired of speaking it, of looking at it, declaring it. God's word is powerful and it's mighty and it, there's so much there. And the more we read it, the more we hear it, the more we understand it, the more exciting that it becomes. I want to close with this thought and I will come back to it next week and I will look at some other passages. But I want you to remember something. I don't have time to read it all this morning. Maybe we'll have time next week. <laughs> if you turn to 2 Peter chapter 3, you find God making another promise. Except this time he promises rather than to destroy this place by water, it's going to melt. It's going to be destroyed by fire. And God promises something else. You see, God told them that they had 120 years. Now, I want to tell you something. We have something that they didn't have. Noah didn't have the written word of God. Noah didn't have the privilege of the Holy Spirit living and dwelling within him every day, every instant of his life like we do as believers. We have God's word. We have his spirit within us. We have something else, folks. We can look at every day through history, and we can find a God that has never, one time, ever broken a promise. And God says this too in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 10, and the devil that deceived them, that was who it was that brought all that evil upon the earth, he's the one that's still doing it today, was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. The beast, the false prophet, into a lake of fire, tormented forever and ever. Some people don't like that. That's God's promise. 
and I'm going to believe God. And he said, I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. There was found no place for them. Somebody sitting on a throne. Who is that somebody? I'll tell you, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened. The book of life, by the way. Which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. This, God's word, that's, that's the only thing they'll be judged by, not by what anybody thought, whether they thought you were smart or clever or the biggest idiot that ever lived. What did God say? And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Whoever was not found inside of that ark was destroyed upon this earth. Whoever is not found written in the book of life, they won't have another chance. God's Spirit does not always strive with man. God gives you, preacher, what do you say? I'm simply saying this, folks. God doesn't want you to die. We've got God's word, God's promise. He's done everything to offer you life. It's not based upon what God is going to do. God's told you what's going to happen. He's told you that you need to make absolutely certain that your name is written in the book of life. The only people that are standing at that great white throne of judgment are those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. They're the only ones there that are being judged by the Word. Their sins brought before them because this is what God said today. God's Spirit won't always strive, but it's striving with you today. I can promise you, if you're here, I don't care. You don't need a dose of religion. You don't need new age or old age. Praise God. Not the trumpet sound. <laughs> It'd be nice if it was, amen. But God's giving you an opportunity today. It's not something to risk, not something to play. You don't need anything, but you need to know this with certainty. I don't need to know if you've changed your mind, if you've changed your tune, if you're going to do this or not do this. What I know to know is do you realize that you're a sinner? <laughs> and do you realize that the wages of that sin is death? Do you realize that Jesus Christ, God himself, went and died upon that cross in your place to pay for your sins? And God said that if in your heart, not just some Repeated prayer, I can't pray for you. I can't even give you the words to say that will save you because it's for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's what takes place in here that's got to come out of here. It's not all the knowledge and all the religion in the world. It's in your heart, recognizing if you've got any hope, that hope is in Jesus. But in Jesus, you have every hope, praise God. You see... It's not how many times you go to confession. It's not how many times you're baptized. It's not how many times you're doing It's have you ever one time knelt before a holy God as a lowly sinner. God doesn't want all your religious rigmarole. God wants to save your wretched soul. He wants to save all of our wretched souls. You're no different. We're all sinners in the flesh. But have you ever one time knelt before God, humbly recognizing your sins and asked God's forgiveness, cried out for mercy because of what Jesus has done for you, not because of what you won't do or what you will do or what you're going to change in your life, because Jesus went to the cross and died for you. I wish if there was some magical way of doing it, if I could create a snowbar that would do it, 
If I could some way declare that simple message to every human being alive and then grasp it and understand it and believe it. But all I can do is just as Noah did. In Noah's case, they chose not to believe God. Today, will you believe him? If you've never done I don't care what else you've done. Why don't you today ask God to save you because he wants to give you life everlasting. He wants to give you life eternal through Jesus Christ, and he'll do it. But you see, you respond because it's his promise to you, because God said he would do it. I don't have time to share my testimony, but many of you know, I spent a lot of years wondering if I am and if I'm not and back and forth and all these things. Until one night after preaching to somebody else, I pulled my car off beside the road and I sat there and I determined I was going to sit there until I got it right with God. I wasn't saved because I just got through preaching. I wasn't saved because of all the things that I'd done or not done. I was saved because God said if I would humble myself before him that he would forgive me and that he would save my wretched soul. And I knew I was saved because I'd done what God said to do. And I'd done it from my heart. I shared with you, I, I, remember, I remember the day my wife got saved, the day I recommitted my life to the Lord. I remember so much. Not a word that I prayed, not a word that I said. Oh, I remember a heart that was crying out to God. Please, God, forgive me for my sins. I know Jesus is my only hope. And I want to say to you today, that's where your security comes from. Don't let the devil sidetrack you. God has promised, but it's got to come from here. It's only by responding in faith today. If you haven't, will you do that based upon the promises of God? Christian, man, sometimes you may feel alone. <laughs> you may feel like, that, you know, that everybody's going to think you're an utter fool. I read, I read something this week. Boy, I got to stop talking. I read something this week, a testimony. A testimony of, of, of an old guy in Australia. And it was a testimony of how this preacher, and it's just, it's just amazing how God works a lot of times. But he was in a church. He was preaching. He was an evangelist. He had somebody come up to him, and he was telling him how he got saved on a certain street, George Street, I think it was, in a certain place in, in, in Australia, Sydney, I think it was, <laughs> We find that he was somewhere else. So some guy told him, and this went on and on and on. And, and you know, it turned out there was this, this little old gray-headed guy that for like 20 years, for like 20 years, this preacher kept running into these people in different places, and he felt like God must be showing him something. This, this old guy came out of this door, and he handed me this track. He said, do you know that you're saved? Do you know that you go to heaven if you die today? So that's all he said to me. And he gave me this gospel track. And in every one of these cases, he began to meet all these people. And he finally said, I've got to go to Australia and meet this guy. And it just happened that he got there just a few weeks before this old guy died. He didn't have a whole lot in this world. But he was so thankful for what God had done for him that he had promised God that for every day that God gave him, he was going to give at least 10 people a gospel track. He was going to witness to at least 10 people. They said there were some days when I was sick and not able to go out, but he said I'd make up for it when I could. But he said, you know, in all these 20 years, I never knew if it made any good. I never knew anybody that got saved through those tracks, through my witness to them. And yet this other preacher, I think God had him there to let him know, well, I want you to know, <laughs> I've met people all over the world <laughs> that got saved. And it began because you handed them a track on that street. Faithfully serving God. People may think you're a nut. They thought Noah was a nut. The promises of God are sure. But we're going to continue to look for the next week or two. Man, we've got to get that in our hearts. God's promises, that's what will get us through. That's what will make the difference. If you're lost, that's what will get you saved. If you're a Christian, that's the way God's going to use you, by believing him, doing what he commands of you. Father, I thank you today. I thank you, Lord, for giving us this time, this opportunity together. We love you so much, Lord. Lord, I, I know that boy, it's hard. To, your word is so precious. 
And Lord, it's just something that, that Lord, when it, when it begins to get in our heart, it changes us forever. And Father, I pray that this time today will not be wasted. Thank you for those who have listened today. We pray that you'll do the work in their hearts that only you can do. We give you the praise, the thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.